A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast with your host, Rob DiPietro, the dead pull hitter. Thank you guys for joining me once again. This is episode number 40. Pretty epic. Thank you for getting me here and inspiring me to do better by the continued support of the show. On this show, I bring on James Anderson and Clay Link of Rotowire. We discuss the continued theme of the show, which is getting inside the brains of players in the NFBC format and in just general how they proceed with player evaluation and game theory, roster construction, stuff like that. We have a fun little draft at the end of the podcast that was pretty cool to do. We drafted a little four-round draft on just for home runs and steals with players past ADP 400. It's just a little practice in projecting speculating on players late in the draft for home runs and steals specifically. We also dive into some tips on how to share teams if you are involved with sharing teams with another owner and maybe kind of unsure how to go about it or if you should be doing it in the first place. James and Clay share some teams together as well with other owners so they provide some tips on how to best approach that we also get into some quick little adp would you rathers on some groups of adp at level 200 adp 300 and 400 plus so could enjoy that and we also touch on whether or not we will be touching guys like severino and thor coming off of their tommy john surgeries Again, thank you for the continued support of the show. It's been truly overwhelming, the amount of DMs I get telling me that the podcast is helping everyone move forward in their strategy and their ability to get better as a player. I guess truly awesome. This is exactly the, the design of the show. It's making me better as a player as well. So if you do happen to leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcast. Please take a screenshot of the rating and the review, and I will send you some pull hitter swag if you hit me up on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter with that screenshot and your address, and I'll send over some baseball cards too as well. With that being said, folks, let's get right into the show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro. Today, I'm here with two special guests, Mr. James Anderson and Mr. Clay Link from Rotowire. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, Good, Rob. Man. I appreciate the uh, the invite, and I want to congratulate you on the hell of a year you had. Uh, winning the draft champions out of, what was it, 4,000-plus teams? That's a hell yeah. of an accomplishment. Thank you. And, I appreciate uh, that. I really respect what you're doing. Cool, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, 4260. That was something else. I can't believe that. Yeah, something crazy. <laughs> really, really wild, man. Yeah, uh, still can't believe it myself. But um, yeah, appreciate you guys coming on. James, how you doing? You all right tonight? Yeah, dude. Uh, really pumped to be here. Uh, thanks again for the invite. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for coming on. I know everyone's busy. So um, 
you know, it's cool that you guys were able to come on and uh, you guys want to just throw out real quick what you guys are working on right now. I know you, your five, your uh, 400, um, top 400 dynasty guys are out. Um, you guys just kicked out another podcast today. I just saw it pop up on my, on my um, podcast uh, notifier. So uh, what else are you guys up to? James, you want to? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the, the two big things there. I mean, the, the dynasty rankings uh, just dropped today, uh, top 400 for OBP leagues, but we also have uh, arrows on there in, in case you play in a batting average league. Um, so, it, I mean, that that really took up a, a lot of my last week. Um, feels good to be done with those. Clay and I talked about it on the pod earlier today. And uh, we also had a surprise, um, a Rob Silver bomb, uh go up on the website just before we started recording um probably the best piece i've seen written on adalberto mondesi this draft season so uh, a lot to check out at the website right now really i i I haven't seen that yet it's a rob silver bomb he said yeah uh rob just uh hit me up the other day and was like you know he doesn't even know how many leagues he's playing this year but he went to the trouble of researching uh mondesi and dug up some really, really good stuff and good historical context and just a lot of stuff to kind of get you thinking. Cool. Yeah. Rob's amazing. I hope he continues to drop those bombs on us occasionally because that guy is one of the smartest in all of fantasy baseball. Uh, we also, I just want to mention, we put the magazine to bed recently uh, last week. So there was, you know, just so much uncertainty with the season. We were kind of in a, little bit of a holding pattern, but rotowire.com slash magazine. If you want to check it out, obviously you get all of James's prospect write-ups and uh, projections, all kinds of stuff. Great, great pieces from Rob, a different article from Rob Silver. Um, Alex Chamberlain, Joe Sheehan, all-star crew. So wow, I highly recommend checking it out. Cool. And, and if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's not available on newsstand, but you can get a publication like written form, right? Like paper form? Yes. Okay. Yes, it will be printed. Uh, you're right, though, not on newsstands this year. Right. So the only place to get it is rotowire.com slash magazine. Awesome. So I wanted to ask you guys, how did you guys get into the world of creating content in the fantasy baseball world? Uh, well, I, you know interned at Rotowire when I was still in college, uh, UW-Madison. Of mm. course, they're, they're headquartered here in Madison. So that was a decade ago now. So that was, I'd done some like college radio stuff and, you know, I was into fantasy sports, but, uh, you know, getting started at Rotowire, meeting James, meeting Derek Van Riper, uh, learning under some really smart people. And uh, that's, you know, that's when the, passion for fantasy and roto baseball really uh, was ignited for me and i mean i'd played variations of it of fantasy baseball and i'd played fantasy football dating back like many years before that but uh, about a decade ago is when i really got committed to roto baseball awesome and then you won the first year of tgfbi right the overall that yes it was not 4260 teams it was <laughs> 190 some teams but yes i i was fortunate enough to take that down in 2018 and i i had like a top 10 finish in the uh i guess that was the rotowire online championship that year but uh i've i've pitched back to my fip in the years since then regressing (laughs) regressing to the mean (laughs) regression comes for everybody (laughs) yeah the regression monster yeah i know I know. James, what about you? How did you get involved? Well, I, I'm honored. I haven't won any overall competitions myself. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm kind of the slack low man on the totem totem pole here, but, um, I, yeah, I, I started at Rotoware as a intern, uh, I think back in 2011. Um, and was doing some basketball stuff, doing some baseball stuff. Um, when I was doing the baseball stuff, like I, I had a passion for minor leaguers and kind of just did as much minor league content as I could um, in my free time for the website. And uh, Clay and DVR took uh, notice and, and 
helped me out and yeah, I mean, just caught a lot of breaks along the way. Awesome. Awesome. And when did you start playing fantasy baseball? Uh, back in college, uh, probably, so probably it was my sophomore year of college. I started playing fantasy football my freshman year of college, um, which would have been 2005, 2006. So I started playing fantasy baseball as a sophomore, which had been uh, the 07 baseball season, I believe. So um, not, not quite 15 years, but, but almost. Um, do you guys have uh, like home league that have like like weird formats that you that you that you're involved with, or it's just pretty standard? Yeah, I have a pretty weird one that I play, and that's a hometown league. It's an NL only daily moves, like uh, first come first serve waiver wire. It's a it's madness, and uh, it's pretty fun. It's you only have like I think there's like nine starting offensive spots and eight starting pitching spots it's weird like um in not eight pitchers that have to be starters but just eight active pitcher spots it's a weird format and holds and ops and it's a weird head-to-head format uh, that i i'm not don't have any leagues that really come close to how wacky that one is yeah that sounds pretty how do you even evaluate players how do you (laughs) You don't really you yeah. just pick up anybody you can, you think might help you that day. Right. Right. Yeah. James, what about you? You have a like standard leagues or you have anything that's crazy as clay plays in? Um, not that, not that crazy, but uh, I do play in pretty much every format. I mean, the ones I play in from college or like head-to-head points which you know there's no way I would ever play that uh or sign up for a a startup league like that but since I started it like way back then with all my all my buddies it's tough to tough to leave just because of the connections and everything like that um but yeah I I mean I play in all all kinds of dynasty leagues as you can imagine um really just kind of everything cool what about um, on the NFPC site? You um, you guys play uh, DC main events, uh, online championships. What which one of your which one of those formats do you prefer? You know, personally, I love the main events just because the stakes are so high, and I've only done a few of those, but I've shared a couple teams with James, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, I do prefer the fifteen. I've had more success in the twelve, honestly, but. Uh, the 15 teamer is just a challenge and it's uh, it really tests your skills and tests your knowledge of the player pool. So uh, the 15 teamer I like, and I do like the draft and holds I'm trying to limit myself this year, uh, <laughs> just draw a line somewhere, but um, I also kind of want to consolidate. I, the draft champions are so appealing because obviously the lack of in-season management as far as pickups go and fab. So um that's, that's really appealing because fab Sundays are already crazy enough. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tough to pick a favorite of those. I mean, they're all so great and they all have uh, different pros and cons, but I mean, they're mostly pros. Like I, I, the, the OCs are probably the easiest. The DCs are the least amount of time commitment and the main events, like the ultimate uh, challenge, the ultimate test. So um I mean, I, I, I usually play in at least two to three uh, of each of those formats every year. Cool. Hey, what do you guys, um, how do you transition from like 12 team draft to a 15 team draft? And also I want to know like when you do your fab on the weekends, um, which one do you do first? Do you do the 15 team or do you do the 12 teams? You know, I don't think of it like that personally. I just kind of go down the list of teams. Right. Uh, right. But maybe I should think it maybe I should think of it like that. But just because the fifteen's probably the better place to start. But it's that's just, what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I find it I, easier that way. Yeah, yeah, it probably would be easier. I didn't even it never even crossed my mind to, <laughs> to do that. But I um you know, it's basically just honestly, it's like all afternoon just trying to scour and stay up to date with the latest of what's going on in real time in the major leagues on Sundays and uh, making sure I didn't miss anybody scouring different articles and uh, 
you know, jumping back and forth isn't that hard for me because I know like what I need on each specific team, but right. um, yeah, there's definitely like some cross checking between leagues to be sure. Oh, this guy is available here, but he, but he's, am I sure he's not available in this league? So uh, a lot of cross checking and I probably could simplify that process. Right. And what about for drafts? Do you, do you, is there like a position or stat categories that you tend to uh, like adjust more for when it's 12 team league versus the 15 team league? Uh, I mean, I, I, in 12 teamers, I'm always really greedy on the offensive side of things, particularly uh, batting average home runs, RBI and runs. Like I, I want, just as ridiculous of a base as I possibly can in those categories in a 12 teamer, just because like you, you just got to have so many studs uh, to keep up in those counting categories. And I mean, the pitching, I mean, you can't forget about it, obviously, but you're just going to have better options. They're going to pop up on waivers in a 12 on the pitching side than you're ever going to dream of in a 15. So um i just you you can't fall behind in those those four non-speed hitting categories in the 12. very true because like the uh, the player pool is so much smaller so you got to differentiate stuff like you know you got like you said you got to have those stud bats um on team because um you don't want to be far behind on those categories and like you said the um, great point about the starting pitchers you will find more to bubble up and stream on in the 12 teamers versus the 15 teamers Clay, what about you? Do you um, find any position, like maybe with more scarcity than the other, than you adjust on that, or has not changed anything for you? Well, I think the only position that's really scarce nowadays is is catcher. Um, obviously, saves get some scarcity, but you know, if you want to consider, you know, relief pitchers, them too. But obviously, short stops gotten incredibly deep. Uh, second base is a little top heavy and maybe drops off a little bit, but still some plentiful options. So, you know, I give the scarcity bump to, to catcher's stats and, uh, you know, I definitely will push up a few. I still am not usually the guy who goes after a catcher early because of the inherent risks behind the plate for, for a catcher and them just not generally playing every day, even if things go, go perfectly for them. So, um, Really, that's the only position I consider all that scarce. It saves is just a crapshoot right now anyway, outside of the top handful of options. So um, I'm not one to really pay for guys who are just speculative. I'll pay for them being in the role in a draft, but I will not – I'll throw my darts late and not throw darts early. Right. That's the way I found myself doing the DCs. Um, just the way I've always drafted closers in general, but um, especially in these uh, early DCs, like the beginning of January or December, was uh, I, I didn't want to take any, I didn't want to spend any capital up top. And um, I actually enjoy just digging in deep to bullpens and taking all those speculative guys that kind of may give you eight to 10. Um, so, how, so, is that how you handle it in a draft draft champions too? Are, are you waiting late as late as you can on saves? Well, now that I got confirmation that that's what you did, I'm, I'm <laughs> <to be> doing... <laughs> I've all, honestly kind of always hated doing that because I feel like I'm using half my bench on those speculative guys right. and only like a couple pan out, but uh, you've proven that's probably the way to go because I mean, paying up top is, I mean, that almost never works, even though it always sounds good on paper. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, ahead. I don't know. I, I think you can, you can do it anyway. Like, I mean, it just, which, who do you draft? Right. Like, I mean, I, I think if you, if you wait and you can always miss out on, you're, you're probably going to have like two or three guys that you're really targeting late if you're waiting and you could miss out on like two of them. And then, then where are you? So then what? Like, right. Um, I mean, no, if you hit on those early relievers, like, I mean, if you if you end up with, like, Edwin Diaz in that Edwin Diaz season, like, whenever he went, or, um, you know, Josh Hader, like, a couple – I mean, he's returned close to value in, in a couple of years. I mean, just depends who you take. Yeah, I and I think last year in a few DCs I went safe and went with Heraldus Chapman and Roberto Zuna, and it just didn't work out. That obviously – 
doesn't apply every year. Some of the top guys return value, but uh, do you guys do you guys ever do it where you like the closer you get to opening day, the more willing you are to pay up for a reliever because they can't get hurt anymore? Like yes. Like if you take how a, I feel. Yeah. If you take a reliever back in like November, like high, they just have so much time to get hurt before the start of the <laughs> yeah. season. Right. That's so true. Yeah. When like my last drafts, like the May and stuff, I'll jump closers. But until then, it's like I, I'd never do because yeah, so much time for things to go wrong. And it almost always does. Right. And it's also all that time for other guys to sign and fill in bullpen roles that make it right. seem like something you was like, oh, yeah, this guy has a clear shot or one of the shots. And then they go sign Brandon Kinsler. And, you know, um, I think he just went to the Phillies, right? Um, to yeah. join a whole slew of guys who uh, might close there. Um, again, at the, that's a spot where in my early draft, I took Neris in like the 300s because I'm like, oh, yeah clear shot and then it's just alvarado bradley so like you said james earlier in the, in the draft season it seemed great and now it doesn't seem so so hot but at least i didn't spend up that much for him so yeah yeah i mean maybe the move is to just punt closer if you're doing it in like november <laughs> right oh forget it I, I i looked i just looked at my no i did one november draft that mike the mouth put, put together and i um i was like i lost hanaka Howie Kendrick was my 49th round pick and he retired. I'm like, oh, please don't do this again, Rob. Like, don't draft in November. <laughs> it's not good. Um, but I did get Michael Arendon at like 46th, I think, 46th round before he announced he was going to start and before his hype grew, grew up. So um, I guess there's certain advantages you can take advantage of, but closers, um, yeah, it's just really risky. Um, how do you guys always, like, I'm again, sorry, I was just going to say, I always feel like those drafts are the ones I should do really well in and dominate, but it never works out like that. Like I, the drafts that I do best in are almost always the ones that I do late. So I right. guess, you know, you get some values, but then yeah, forecasting roles isn't so easy early in the off season. Right. Right. Like I, I just looked back at that and I had Colton Wong and like at 375, um, you know, can't, can't get that now, but um you know, again, I have, nice. I have a retired guy and a guy who signed in uh, in Japan, so <laughs> not so hot there. <laughs> um, what are you going to do? How do you guys like to do your um, batting and pitching split? Do you have like a preferred number that you're shooting for in the draft champions? James, do you yeah. want to go first? Um, yeah. uh, so, I mean, the number that I always kind of keep in the back of my head is like 20 pitchers. Um, I so I did two draft champions like uh, a long time ago this offseason like way back and uh, I think the playoffs are still going on and um one of them I just was not prepared for where you had to take starting pitching because like I, it was like my first draft of the year and I just wasn't prepared that you had to take certain guys certain places so I was pretty light on starting pitching, uh, like my first six starters were just not what I would typically want in terms of quality. So I peppered a lot of younger, you know, like uh, lottery ticket starters kind of in those middle rounds and ended up with like 22 or 23 pitchers um, going that route. But I think typically I, I shoot for a 30-20 split. Cool. Yeah, I uh... – I mean, as far as like budget goes, I say, yeah, like, uh, you know, 68, 32 typically, but I've pushed even more of a percentage of the budget toward pitching lately. And in some formats, like the head to head tout wars, it's like a points league. Like I've gone 50, 50 and wow. it's, it's really you know, format dependent, but in straight roto. Yeah. Probably like 68%, 32. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought you wanted to know like what percentage of the 50 in a, in a DC. <laughs> That's, that's, I'm sorry. That's what the question, that was. That the question was, but I'll take all the answers I can get. <laughs> so you, my, my answer was wrong. I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm taking notes anyway. So <laughs> 32. <laughs> what about, well, I, I need, I need to yeah. take notes on you, man. 
What about you, Clay, in the draft champions? Do you have like a split like James has, 30-20, or is there a number you're trying to get, or is it more like um, draft flow dependent? You know, there I do want a, like a good number of arms. There's not like a set number. Um, I definitely want to load up, even if I have to, with like middle relief types. Like I'm looking at who I just drafted in this first pitch league at, at the end of my bench, like Inoli Paredes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demarcus Evans, Jeremy Jeffress, uh, Shane McClanahan. So yeah, I mean, it looks like I'm about like on par with what everybody else has. Some some people have a few more. Uh, there's I don't really go into it with a set number though. Okay, I've never really done that. Cool. What about um, um, prospects? I know um, James. What? What I really like about when you talk about prospects, I feel like um, this is not knocking any specific prospect guy, but I feel like everyone gets really prospect biased. But what I love about your your content and when you guys talk about like using them in a draft and hold type league is you're very realistic with their um you know, with what to expect of them. Um, I feel like some people get too blinded by the the love of them and they, you know, they go too far in on them where they might not even get you anything where you can't make a fab. Well, I I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, I can I can promise you that it wasn't always that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, I, I think that's sort of just, if you're like a prospect, um, had like your your sort of um, passage is gonna consist of in your very early years overvaluing prospects right in in fantasy baseball and then if you've been doing it long enough you'll just learn like I've just learned so much you learn so much from just ranking prospects every year Um, you can just pick up on you know when to not get super excited and when to get excited and kind of understanding you know the the amount of times you're wrong you you learn a ton from that um when you just are recommending a prospect at like his best case scenario uh you're just you're going to end up being wrong a a lot if you go that route especially just in their their debut season so um i I appreciate you saying that but i mean it's, it's definitely not something i've always been really good at yeah, I, I mean, I've always been drawn to them as I've gotten, you know, older and more cognizant of the fact that it's a riskier play. My, you know, my probability plays go more to the old boring veteran guys. But what, like, what, so what about a guy like um, just Jared Kalenic at like 230? Is, is that a pick you think people are, are, are being smart on? Or is that like a percentage play that you're not really too sure you would take in a draft and hold? Oh, I mean, in a draft and hold, I think that that's, that's a great value. Um, you're, I mean, I think in, in my opinion, like with Kelnick, we, there's a scenario where we get to like late March and he's going around pick like 120. Um, wow. But I, I would be hard out at that price, but I'm just saying like, you know, if he's awesome, like the first two weeks of spring training and everyone's just posting videos of him hitting bombs, like every single day, every, every hour of every day, um, he's just going to end up going really, really high because people are going to be like, well, this is who's going to win me my league. He's going to steal bases. He's going to hit for power. Uh, he's going to be up like first week or second, third week of the season. Like, um, at that point, I think the value is just going to dry up. But right now, especially at draft and hold, where you could totally go with just playing him five months of the year, and it's not going to hurt you that much at all, really. I mean, like you could just do platoon starters in your fifth outfield spot for the first month of the season and be totally fine. Yeah, I, I love grabbing him and draft and hold. And I think there's a spot in really most drafts, but especially in the draft and hold formats uh, where the bench – you know, occupying a bench spot isn't really punishing you in season, but around pick 150, the margins between players get really thin and the guy you may have on top of your board, maybe there a couple rounds later. So I think you, you jump some upside and try to secure some of those, those young uh, needle movers potentially. And uh, Kelnick's atop that list for me. 
Right. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I understand the appeal. I just like, I'm having trouble. I had trouble fielding full teams last year and I just don't want to get into that bubble where maybe he doesn't get called up. I guess that's the thing. I, I I guess I trust the skills. I don't know, you know, if the call, like right now drafting, I don't know if I want to take that versus the guy around him who may get like, you know, a, a definite 500, 550 plate appearances. Rob, don't you think the key is just like picking your spots and yeah, you know, if if you take Kelnick, then you have to take uh, a few boring outfielders as well. Like you got to take like a Jason Hayward later or something like that. Right. Right. That's the perfect supplement to a guy like him. hundred percent. That's a good point. What about a guy like um, Jeter Downs? I think he's around like the 580 P's. Is, is that like a, is that a guy you would um, pounce on right now or pass? Yeah, I like him a lot there. I, he's someone I've been kind of pumping um, for a while, just based on the ADP aspect of it. Like, you know, it, it's, you look at the players that are going in that range and a lot of them, like we know are bad and like, yeah, you know, he could be, he could, Maybe he's not even up in June, you know, like, and then you have a wasted pick there. But, like, if you take Michael Taylor, like, in the same spot, what what's that going to do for you, really? Yeah, so, zero. I mean, that, <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's a fair – yeah, I get that. I, I think it's interesting, Rob, that even with the success you had, you had some – teams where you couldn't, you know, set a full active lineup with guys who were on active rosters – at times because in the draft champions that's you know i've run into that plenty too and that's my only concern with downs is you know are, are you going to be able to plug him in at any point in the first half after they they signed enrique hernandez so well well i so i i heard or at least i saw reports um back towards the end of last season I, it might have been like an athletic article or it was some uh red sox beat writer who was basically saying like, you know, they're like, don't rule out like a Jeter Downs call up. Um, and that was like last year. Uh, wow. And th- this team just doesn't have enough talent. Like Enrique Hernandez isn't blocking Jeter Downs to me. Um, right. Like I like too like, that he has a shortstop eligibility and he'll, you know, if you come, you know, come up play second and all of a sudden he'll have second and short which is you know i think it's pretty good well and and kike and downs could play the outfield like i, I doubt yeah. that they want to move downs to the outfield at this point in his career but um I just like, know that they've know, said that they want to or when kike signed he kind of signed with the intention or with the assumption he was going to get pretty regular playing time I think he can get regular playing time. Like it's just, I mean, like by regular, like four to like five, let's say five days in a normal week, but like, I could totally see like Renfro might only play against lefties. Like that, like that could be a decent contract, even if he's a short side platoon guy. And Mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know. I like, if you look at where downs finished 2019, like he would have, potentially debuted last year in a 162 game season. Like it doesn't, like, I think that you risk really stalling his development if you keep him in the minors too long this year, because he just, he needs to get his feet wet. By the way, speaking of the Red Sox, did you hear that the Red Sox have the next Tyler Glass now, Nick Pavetta? Did you hear that? Yeah, I did hear that. (laughs) I was pissed because I don't have Pavetta anywhere. And I didn't, I had no idea that I was passing on the next class. I saw that, and the fact that like a, a raise, somebody on the raise said that or something, and that that's going to probably drive Favetta's ADP up. I just was kind of chuckling. Oh my god, uh, I I can't I can't go back to Nick Pavetta. Are you are you guys going to touch him at all this year? Probably not. I mean, I can't yeah. rule it out. Yeah, I can't rule I'll it. Be out. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. My interest is peaked. I <laughs> I would I do not want to miss out on the next Tyler Glass. oh man so i wanted to ask you guys a question about main event leagues um so you're in the draft room or you're at the live event and 
I wanted to know your 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 willingness to like set min min picks or going up to quote unquote get your guy. Um, how aggressive are you guys when it comes to doing something like that, or you just let the value fall to you type? You know, I'll get pretty aggressive. I I like to think anyway. There's a certain point though where it really is like the wild west, and everything gets thrown out. But it, like I will play it somewhat safe and play the ADP game through like the top you know, 12 rounds or so. But then after that, it's, um, you know, just go get them because I mean, they're not assured. But, um, yeah, I, I will play the ADP game a little bit through through 12. So, for me, it's it's got to be a pretty um, huge gap between where I have a guy and where the ADP is for me to worry about it. Like, um the, like the two guys that like come to mind are like uh, Dansby Swanson and Sandy Alcantara where like they're just so high on my board that if I took them where I have them, like I'm, I'm definitely setting them in pick. Mm-hmm. And so I, I might just get greedy and wait like a round or two. Um, but for the like 99% of the player pool, I just don't care about the ADP at all. Right. I feel like that's always such a tough um, thing to navigate. You know, like you said, if you, if you have like a three round difference, you know, how many rounds do you, do you try to wait? Or is it one? Is it somewhere in the middle? Um, Because again, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to lose value in the pick, but you also don't want to miss out on the guy. Yeah. Cause part of the game of Roto baseball is like a little bit of, uh, you know, weighing the market and playing the market and trying to beat the market itself. So I do think you have to know it and yeah, play a little chicken, but yeah, James is probably. Well, well put it this way. Like I I'm much more likely to play chicken in like a DC in January than I am in a main event because yeah, like, I just, I don't think you can assume any type of value in a main event draft. Like people are paying that kind of money. That's fair. And I'd rather I want to go down with guys that I think are going to be good that year. And like I don't want to be scrambling for some guy that I don't like just because I got sniped on someone that I was confident was going to be good. Right. And Todd Zola's done some research over at our site that shows the the fantasy drafters who who do reach often outperform those who get the quote unquote value pick. So yeah, just just uh yeah, there's really nothing nothing wrong with with uh, just going and getting your guy and paying little attention to ADP, but I do think it's part of winning is trying to outmaneuver the market. Right, absolutely. It's all about doing that. Do you, do you guys keep track of like stats during during your drafts, like how much you're you're filling in homers and stolen bases and stuff like that? James, um, you want to take I, this? I've you know I've had a lot of fun using draft software in the past um if it's it just depends on like how high the stakes are um how much prep i've done that type of thing i mean if it's like uh if it's not a high stakes league um like for my my leagues i do with like my college buddies i'm not keeping track of anything um like if it's if it's the main event and I've done the prep and I have the projections ready to go, then I'll definitely be plugging stuff in as I go. Um, I mean, I think you if you know the player pool, like I mean, like Clay and I don't have a choice. Like we do this like for a living. Like we've just put so many hours into fantasy baseball every off season that. Like, I think I should probably have a good sense of, like, how I'm doing in those categories as a draft goes through, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I might know where I need something, but I don't need to be keeping track of stuff to know that I need it there. Right. Great point. I love the way you put that. Well said. Yeah. Totally well said. And that's exactly how I I feel. Like, I don't – like, it's not, like, being conceited at all. It's just in my head I I know what I have and what I need and – um, I do kind of, I like to have those in mind, but also you add so much of it in season that I think the, like putting too much focus on like category targets in a draft can actually be harmful. Right. Good point. 
Yeah, they're going to get a ton of stats during the season off that, but that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one question I wanted to ask you guys was about sharing teams, either with each other or with others. Um, we, uh, Matt, Matt Davis from FTN Network put together a tag team league where, you know, you have to have a partner in the league and um, joining up with Jenny Butler. And, um, you know, it's something different. It's something that like not really, um, you know, accustomed to or have done and especially in the NFC arena. So I wanted to know, you know, how you guys work through that. Like, how do you handle the pre-draft thing? Do you, you know, like what, what level, like how extensive is your prepping with that other player um, before you head into a draft? James, you have go. more experience. Yeah, why don't you take take yeah. this to start? So, um, I'm count. I'm trying to count how many teams I I split uh, for this coming year. So, I think I'm going to be at. I think I'm going to be at nine split teams this wow. year, and um, honestly, it's like too many. <laughs> but I just I. I like, I can't really, I would be unhappy if I got out of any of the nine. So I just am in them and I would never take another one on. I don't think like, I think I'm kind of done splitting teams because of like when, not only when, when you're splitting a team on the one, it, it is less work at times, but honestly, it's just more work in my opinion because of the amount of communication needed for it to be a good partnership. And so um, you can end up both like, you know, if, you, if you're good at different things or you have like a good uh, um, kind of foundation with your, your split, like, and everyone sort of knows what they're doing or everyone is kind of on the same page with how they value players. Like it, it, it can be a really great harmonious and successful relationship, but it takes time. It takes like texts and phone calls and like, you know, it's, it's, it drags you away. Like I, I might have to step out of the room, like when I'm with my wife or something, just to talk fancy baseball <laughs> with someone like at a time I wasn't planning on. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, a lot of fun, but it does add time in my opinion. So um, I think you have to really go into it. Um, if, especially if it's a league where there's a lot of money on the line or something like that, you have to go into it. Uh, with someone that you really like and respect and uh, trust uh, for it to be worth it. I think you made a great point um, saying how it actually takes more time because the different levels of communication and the back and forth could, it's easier to, it's faster to just um, talk to your brain, right? And and, and give yourself <laughs> answers back rather than wait for someone to respond. That's a great point. Yeah, that's so true. I only, the only person I share a team with is James, honestly, because it is, it is more work. I feel like, like having to, you know, I feel bad having to call James on Sundays and like talk, talk through some moves. And I just, yeah, I'm also a stubborn guy and I kind of, you know, I don't want somebody talking sense into me. <laughs> no, I, I don't, uh, sometimes I, I don't want to hear it though. I, honestly, I just want to do my own thing and see what happens, but I do love sharing a team with James, but, uh, yeah, we're, I mean, I consider James a good friend. It's like I couldn't imagine doing it with somebody who I, you know, don't have a good relationship with. And uh, because yeah, you really have to, you know, talk a lot every every single week, at least once a week. You got to be in, you have to talk to him, and uh, you can't let that other person down. Right. Yeah. I was like, I'm just. It's like pressure. Right. Like, right. Added yeah. pressure on me. <laughs> added pressure. Like it is. It's, it's less work in um, like dynasty, like it, it's a ton of work if you do like a dynasty uh, startup with someone, but if once you've done like a dynasty draft with someone, there there's often like not a ton that needs to be discussed for like good chunks of the calendar, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're doing trades and stuff kind of towards the trade deadline. And, um, but I mean, the, the player pool is just so, uh, you know, all the good players are gone. There's not, a, it's not like you have to discuss waivers every single week. If like everyone, if everyone that's on waivers sucks. So um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's mostly more work in, in those redraft leagues. 
Yeah, in Dynasty, do you, is there like um ever like a quarrel of like how like you you want to take your path? Like if you are you playing playing to win now and like you want to rebuild something and one person thinks one way, other person thinks the other way. I've never had anything like that because I, I mean, you both should be able to like if if you're disagreeing about the direction of the team, like you probably shouldn't co team because you just can't evaluate players succinctly like i mean right you should both know whether you have a competitive squad or you don't got it very good very good um all right so let's get into some adp would you rathers right now have a couple of different um, levels of ADP and some different groups of players. The first one actually is just two two players, two pitchers that are coming back from Tommy John, and it's uh, Thor versus Severino. Um, are you guys taking a chance on any of these guys? And if so, which one? I'm I'm out personally on both of them for redraft. James, I don't know yeah. if you disagree, James. I, you know, I actually ranked them back to back on my dynasty rankings that went up today. Um, and I, Clay and I talked about them on the podcast a little bit. Um, I, I see a, I see some value there in redraft leagues, but like Clay, I am pretty hard out on those guys. I mean, there's a point probably in a draft and hold where I might pull the trigger, but we're definitely talking after like pick 40. Um, Right. But I, 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 I could see myself being in on both in 2022 or, or certainly 2023. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So the next, next um, is ADP range of 385 to 404. That's Michael Lorenzen, Dylan Cease, and Anthony Desclafani. Which would you rather have out of these, these pitchers? James, you go first. I'll be honest. Like, I, I'm probably going to have zero shares of any of them. Um, okay. Behind door uh, D. <laughs> yeah, what, what's behind door D? I, I honestly, so I was looking, I was going to say that I would take Trevor Rogers or Tanner Houck, but I think they're actually, their ADP has crept up ahead of these guys. So Yeah, I'm all over um, Trevor Rogers. Yeah, I love that pick. Uh, out of these three, I think I'd just go with Lorenzen because I don't, you know, it's kind of the unknown, like, I, I don't know what he's capable of. I know what these other two are capable of, and I'd rather see what Lorenzen's capable of. Good point. I like that reasoning. Yeah, I like that too. I was leaning that way. I, I do still like Disclafani. I think Disco could have a renaissance out west. Um, hmm, I mean, that sounds he's... like a t-shirt, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> a I, Disco I, renaissance out west. <laughs> as I said that, I realized how corny it sounds. Um <laughs> But no, I, I, you know, he didn't have a great final year with the Reds, but he was an underrated back end starter for a while. And I think he had like a little bit of velocity growth in the back half of 2019, which you know, didn't carry over. But I still think, you know, well, obviously the Giants aren't on par with like the Rays or uh, the Dodgers. They're, team. they're, they're headed there, man. Like, I, I think, I know, I think I, the Giants, exactly. they're going to be thought of, they're going to be like Tampa Bay, like they, they, I think the Giants are going to build a, a juggernaut out there. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. That's kind of where I was headed. I wasn't going to go on, on that big of a limb. I was going to say they're not in that class yet, but they, I do kind of have some faith that they know what they're doing with Di Sclafani. Interesting. Yeah. I, um... I have more faith in the organization than I do the pitcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's a good enough way to put it. Um, all right. What about now ADP range tw- uh, 223 to 230? Marcus Stroman, Ryan Yarbrough, Nathan Eovaldi, and Brady Singer. What do you got here? Clay? I think Stroman stands out as the clear best of this bunch. I, Ryan Yarbrough is a decent pitcher. Eovaldi's had some flashes, but he's been hurt a ton. Singer is kind of an unknown, but I feel like Stroman – is a very well-known, you know, what you're getting from him and on a pretty good team with hopefully improved defense and a pretty good place to pitch. I think Stroman's uh, underrated big time right now. Yeah. I like that pick. I'm a, as a Met fan, I like that pick. Nice. <laughs> James, who are you picking here? I, you know, I like all four of them, honestly. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, 
Clay makes a solid point with Stroman. Um, to me, this sort of this kind of feels like where all four of them sort of should be going. So, I if they were all on the board, I'd probably wait around and see who was there the next round. Um, Baldi, like he's so you look at like his seasons, like he's so feast or famine. Like he has these years where he's just pounding the zone and doesn't walk anyone. And he's awesome. And then uh, as soon as the command goes, he's just really mediocre. And I, you know, I kind of like Yarbrough. I think I'm going to go Yarbrough. Yeah. I got, I got a ton of him. I love him. I He's, he's got, he's not, um, I don't want to bring up Kyle Hendricks, but like that's he's definitely not that good. He's not going to be that good, but like it's sort of the same idea um, in terms of just how he gets by. Right, absolutely. And he keeps. Uh, I would yeah. take. I would take all Stroman versus Yarbs bets. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would definitely bet that with you on a per inning basis. Uh, okay. My fear is Strowman could like throw forty more innings than Yarbrough. So. No, no, that's right. <laughs> it's I hear you. Caveats and caveats. I'll, no. I'm not. I don't care enough about this uh, bet to make it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Now we got a bunch of outfielders here. It's the last grouping. Um, ADP one thirty nine to one forty nine. Dylan Carlson, Victor Robles, Kyle Lewis, and Yash Dremsky. Who do you like here? I'm gonna. You know, I'm taking James's word on Carlson, although I, you know, I've I've seen him a decent amount myself. But uh, you know, the way he returned and bounced back, and all, everything I've read from James, and uh, I think Carlson's ready and probably batting in a prominent spot in that order, probably maybe fifth. Uh, I'd imagine, you know, I'd imagine Goldschmidt, Arenado, three, four, but uh, I think he's too. Oh yeah, like, maybe. I mean, I think I think him or Goldie could hit too. Oh, that's, that's possible. Yeah, I mean, Carlson came back and was the cleanup hitter in the postseason, so they clearly like like what they saw with the adjustments he made at the alternate site when he got sent down. Robles, I'm not ready to completely give up on. It is between Carlson and Robles here. I I give Carlson the edge. Um, I could totally see if you're desperate for speed at some point, you know flipping these two but um i like carlson's skill set as is a better well-rounded skill set uh lewis and yastrzemski i'm i'm pretty shaky on and i did take yastrzemski but only after he fell really far past adp gotcha so all i can say is i definitely wouldn't take lewis um if it's you know if you get to this point and you just you need the speed like you missed on whoever your early targets were for speed or you just, you just didn't get enough for whatever reason. Uh, I think you got to go Robles. Like I, I think this, this is good value on Robles to me. Like I think there's a, there's like a decent chance that at the end of the year, we all look back and like everyone who didn't take Robles in this range is kicking themselves. Um, but if you're good on speed, like Carlson and Yastrzemski are definitely better hitters than Robles. Like that's not debatable. Um, I think people are sleeping, like even myself, like I probably even ranked him too low. I, when I was looking at Yastrzemski, like, I mean, he's just been really good for like two years. Um, right. At a certain point. Yeah, he is one but, of the guys I worry about with the ball a little bit. Because his home sure. run distance is kind of lags behind, but. He's, he has been he's, a lot better than I expected. I mean, you know, I think Carlson's Carlson's kind of like median outcome this year is probably Stremsky, but like Carlson's got a higher ceiling, I'd say. Right. How are you guys handling the the whole ball thing? I mean, can you really make uh, like uh, a pinpoint um, kind of, I guess. Accurate saying like the, these pitchers will be the guys or these these batters are going to suffer. Um, how are you looking at that? So it's, it's a tough question, man. Yeah. I I honestly I'm not looking at it as having much that's actionable right now. But I did right. see some of the like you know I'll look at like average home run distance and some of the guys who were 
pretty low on that list are going to suffer just inevitably. So um, I look at that, but right now it's like, you know, since it applies pretty much linearly, linearly across the league, not much that really changes my, my draft strategy. The one thing I did read is that there's one set of hitters that won't suffer and those are pull hitters. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to plug that right in there. I read a thread that was like really cool and I was like, oh yes, pull hitters won't suffer. Got it. Nice. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. The only thing like, I, I think Clay kind of nailed it with like, you don't want to overreact to it. But when I'm doing my research now, and I see a guy has like a really good ground ball rate. I don't necessarily pump or like in my mind, I'm not like as pumped about that as I maybe was. And like a guy's fly ball rate, maybe I'm less um, upset when I see that a guy allows a lot of fly balls, but like not, I mean, we're talking very minor um, reactions there like I I just think you can't really take MLB at their word regarding anything and <laughs> um, if you if you start like listening to what Rob Manfred says and doing fantasy like analysis off of that I think you're probably wasting your time right right I just like the cream rises to the top that's the way I'm looking at it <laughs> uh, all right so we're going to close out the podcast with a fun little four-round draft so we're going to do we want to draft home run plus steals, but only from guys going past 480p. So, what what a, what date range are you using, and what um what like oh. what filters do I need the ADP page to be on? Oh, sorry. Um, I'm using uh, January 20th draft champion to today. Okay, perfect. Who wants first pick? Clay, you have first pick. All right, I'm bringing up the ADP now. Bam. So past 400. Past from, 400. From January runs. 20th. Yeah. Okay. January. Home runs. So no pitching, just home runs and steals. Home runs and steals. All right. Let's see. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> it's pretty ugly. <laughs> you know what? For drafting steals, I'm going to go with Elvis Andrews. Nice. Yes, I think Elvis Andrews' ADP is going to jump. The priority has, and actually, yeah, his min in this range just looks like two seventy-five. So, uh, yeah, I think I think he's a, a worthy like top three hundred-ish type of player. So I'm happy to grab him. I like that. That's a good pick to lead off. James, Gad, you go for a uh, second, and then I'll I'll go back to back. We'll swing it back. All right, I am going to take. Uh... Harrison Bader, who my boy Bricks, uh, like I released these dynasty rankings and like I'm a little high on Bader in in OBP leagues, but um, I just think he's going to, I think his glove's good enough to play every day and and I think he gets to around like 30 almost plus two. Man, that's a good pick right there. I I was definitely going to go that way. I'm going to go with a guy actually on the same team, and I'm going to go Tyler O'Neill as one of my picks. And for my other pick, this is just strictly for the power, but I'm going with Miggy. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to get my steals later. (laughs) James, back to you. Uh, So I'm going to go floor over ceiling here. Ooh. And I'm going to take Jason Hayward because he will play like a lot of the guys in this range could lose their jobs. Whereas right. Jason Hayward will play. He's not going to go crazy in the homers plus steals, but it'll get me like 20, 25. This is the volume. Yeah. Volume play. Love it. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of going a similar route in terms of uh floor and really the home runs plus steals, you know, May not be great, but that's that can be said for most of these players. I'll go with Enrique Hernandez. Nice. Um, one seventy-one max seems uh, going overboard, but I do think you know pretty regular plate appearances, five hundred plus. Uh, probably maybe like fifteen homers and steals. Well, <laughs> not think- great, but. I'll go with at at this that's point, a low bar. At the- <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you go again too, Clay. You get another. Oh shot. yeah. Okay. Let's see here. Um. Ooh, man. <laughs> this is pretty rocky. Um. How about this? How about Chris Davis in Texas? Wow. <laughs> I know. That's the power know. move right there. I don't know if it's any good. I mean, they have Willie Calhoun who needs to DH too, but I feel like they they're gonna give Davis pretty regular playing time because I mean maybe they won't, but I still feel like he's got a, a, enough power to be worthwhile outside the top. Him and Gallo, know, something if interesting. If we're only drafting those two yeah. categories. I like it. It's a good play. James, back to you. I mean, I don't think this guy's good. Uh, <laughs> and I, I got to love the things I, they're doing on the podcast. Like, yeah. like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go at, I wouldn't touch him like in really any format because of the batting average, but they, they love Cedric Mullins defense in Baltimore and they just keep trying to pump him up uh, as this defensive guy uh, that needs to play. So uh, I'm going to say that he stumbles his way into like 20 homers plus steals and then loses the job in like late June, late July. All right. I, I, um, yeah, again, for this type of draft, that's again, that's a good he's, pick. he's not good. He's 10. Yeah. He's not good. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> for, for my first back to back, this is, um, Todd Zola guy right here, but he put me on him and I've been doing some digging. I'm really kind of liking, I have him, I draft him twice in a DC after um, we did our show together. And it's Edward Olivares. Um, I'm going for the bags here. I need to make up some steals. And I feel like he might have a chance to get in there. The sprint speed is off the charts. He hasn't had a chance to really show it off yet. But um, I don't know. It's a pretty aggressive team in KC. Um, and I, yeah, I'm hoping he gets me about 10, 10 to 12 steals. And my other guy I'm going to take is, I don't know why, again, not really a good player, but Freddie Galvis. I'll go go Freddie Galvis and hope to get like eight and eight from him. Um, and he's going to be the league winner. Yeah, that and Galvis in Baltimore, that's a pretty sneaky pick. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think, you know, he's not a, like a guy that I ever really looked at, but him in Baltimore in general might be something sneaky like you said um again i don't think he'll light the world on fire but um might be a sneaky pick down in the 400s yeah outside uh, the top 500 500 pretty yeah. good it's a free pick i need to wrap things up here with a glue pick like a guy that's going to bring everyone together and uh, that's <laughs> g-man Choi. nice uh, i think he looked like the rate uh, the rays basically said by trading Nate Lowe, the G-man's playing against righties this year, and I think he can get me like 18 bombs. I love it. Yeah, I like I like G-man. That's a pretty good one. That's a good um, one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah, right behind, right behind Freddie Galvis, and two spots in front of new Marlins closer Anthony Bass, uh, maybe. But uh, Tim LoCastro, I just some steals. That team's yep. not looking just very good. Just some steel. That's all we're drafting here, steals and homers. So, uh, yeah, give me 10, 10 bags from Timmy, Timmy Lucastro. Man, no one picked Adam Duvall. Oh, did? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, he's actually like the first one like where I was going to take him or Miggy, and I went with Miggy. He's right at that four, uh, four, 413 right now. Um, they just, they, you know, I love everything the Marlins have been doing, but I there's a ton of like their organizational outfield depth chart is just massive at this point. And right. if if like I think their pitching staff will keep them in things, but um, you know Duvall could be playing mostly against lefties at some point this season. Right. So Clay, you ended up with LaCastro, Elvis Andrews, Kiki Hernandez, and Chris Davis. James with G-Man Choi, Harrison Bader, Jason Hayward, and Cedric Mullins. And I got Freddie Galvis, Edward Oliveras, Tyler O'Neill, and Miggy. So this is going to be interesting. I'm going to plug it into the Google sheet and we'll see who wins at the end of the year. I don't know what the prize is going to be yet, but... Um, yeah, I we'll think you win, Rob. But yeah, we'll, 
I'm looking forward to seeing who actually wins <laughs> the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Whoever so, keeps score wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Um, cool, man. I really appreciate you guys coming back on, uh, coming on, talk to me. Um, really cool having you guys on. I've been uh, last year when I started with my idea to try to do a podcast. Um, yeah, I really dove into everything I could and obviously you guys at Rotowire just kick ass all the way around. Um, then when the, even when the pandemic hit, um, you know, you guys just kept, kept trucking along and on days where it was just like really, um, you know, like heavy and dreary, um, you guys gave me a, like an escape, you know, to put on my headphones, go outside my dogs and listen to baseball fantasy talk you guys kept plugging away and it was pretty cool man i i never i'll never forget that because of the like the headspace that we were in and just to be able to keep escaping through podcast form so i really appreciate that you guys kept trucking along for us really cool it's really cool to hear rob thanks for saying that and thanks for the invite it's i got a lot of respect for you and i wish you you know another great season upcoming and hope we can do this again absolutely Thank you for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks. So, thanks so much for having us, Rob. Um, this was this was a blast. Cool, man. Thank you, James. Thank you, Clay. We appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, and we'll do it again maybe as the season gets closer or something in season. So, um, yeah. yeah care, hopefully, guys. we can reciprocate and have you on sometime. Cool. Absolutely. Take care, Rob. We'll love that. All right, fellas. Thank you. Enjoy your night. Thanks, Rob. Bye bye. All righty, folks. Thank you for tuning in to episode 40 of the Pole Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Deadpool Hitter. You can find me at Twitter, at Deadpool Hitter. DMs are open. Hit me up. Talk baseball, life, whatever you want. And again, a reminder, if you do leave a review on Apple Podcast, which is extremely helpful for myself and the podcast for other people to find it, um, take a snapshot of your review. Send it over to me on DM at Deadpool Hitter on Twitter. And, um... I'll send you some swag and some baseball cards, if that's to your liking. All right, everyone, be well out there. Smarten up and don't be a bag of shit.